Hey everyone, it's Ed from the VG Embassy. It's almost June, and I'm sure you know what that means. It's almost time for the Masters of VGM event. This is an event where for the entire month, all of your favorite VGM podcasts will focus on one theme around video game music composers. This year, we're sharing composers that we feel might deserve a little bit more of the spotlight than they're currently getting. There's going to be a ton of shows participating. Um, let me see. I have that list here. Uh, hey, hey, Larry, you got that list? No, no, not the grocery list. The list of all the podcasts. Yeah. What do you mean you gave it to me already? No, I don't. I don't have it. I'll look. All right. Oh, here it is. My bad. My bad. All right, so it's going to be my show, as well as Nerd Noise Radio, Shujin Academy VGM Club, A VGM Journey, VG Emporium, ReVGM, Gameable Audio, BG Mania, Rhythm and Pixels, CRT Sound System, Volt Supreme Synth VGM Dreamstream Machine, and more. More. What do you mean more, Larry? Who are the, who's the more? No, I don't, I don't know. Did you put more on here? All right, well, I guess there's going to be more. If you want to find out who the more is, check out mastersofvgm.com on your favorite web browser or hit up the tweets at mastersofvgm. We hope you enjoy the event. You're listening to Track 10 from Lolo no Daibokin, released March 25th, 1994, composed by Manami Matsumai. Welcome to another episode of BG Mania, a video game music podcast. I, of course, am your host, Brian, and joining me on the show this week, it is Bedroth. Hey, hey, man. Good to be back. Welcome. It's uh, as much as I enjoyed the last month, it's also nice to be talking about something that's pretty different from uh, <laughs> from Zelda. <laughs> yeah, we had a fun four, yeah, it was four weeks, right? We had our Zelda-like games, Hyrule Fields Forever, Tears of the Kingdom, and then Radio Hour. It was a good episode. We've already already got some feedback. Thanks, Golden Coyote, for yes. uh, getting back to us on some of that. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, hope, that's Melissa. Hope everybody, uh, thanks, Melissa. Hope everybody else enjoyed that as well. It was, a, it was good. It was a good month. 
good month. It was a fun month. And we have a fun month in store, like I mentioned on that episode, mm-hmm. for June. We do. real quick, if you'd be so kind, head on over to Apple Podcasts or whichever app you've chosen to listen to us on. Sorry. And drop a quick rating into review. It really does <laughs> help us out in terms of visibility so that this show continues to grow. And remember, we are on Patreon now as well. Patreon.com forward slash RPG era. Check out our tiers, see what we're doing. And if you feel inclined, toss a couple bucks each month. If not, continuing to listen to the episodes as they upload each week works wonders as well. And of course, special shout out to current executive producers, Jexx and Zanku. All right, continue. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. Now, I was just saying, we do we do have a, a fun month ahead, like you said we're uh uh we're going to be participating in masters of vgm next week and then next have, week uh, yeah and then you'll have you'll have kyle on i make believe fun of prof jeff for his first time make uh, fun of prof jeff we do yeah you get to, it's, it's gonna be so exciting to have both of you on the same same episode because i know that you guys talk we've had a lot of interactions anyway yeah, so he, he mentions that i talk, talk about, to him uh, all the time in discord yeah about wrestling a lot and stuff and um, which which is cool because even though I'm a casual fan of wrestling, it's, uh, it's something that you guys share that I don't totally share with either one of you. So it'll be cool to have him in to talk about video game music and uh, a couple of lesser known or just uh, less established composers who are still kind of making their name. And I think I have one that probably no one's going to recognize. You didn't even know who it was when I told you who I was picking. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to aim to have at least one who is like that as well. Um, I'm actually second guessing myself on the one that I told you I was going to bring for sure, because he actually was one of the masters of EGM last year, and I had forgotten about that. And so now I'm kind of, I may give him an honorable mention and give that spot to somebody else, because there are so many deserving Fair. like up and coming composers out there. Um, I've already got my tracks picked for that episode, and I know you and I are both bringing an honorable mention to round out our 14. I already have that one picked too. Oh yeah, so maybe I'll give him, maybe I'll give him that one, I think, I think, because I really, I wanted to to do something for him but yeah um and then uh kyle is going to be on for the first time this month and that's yeah that's gonna that'll be actually fun. be relatively soon that'll actually be real real soon yeah yeah i'm looking forward to hearing that that'll be real soon and then we have another one later in the month that's going to be kind of loosely connected to and maybe not very loosely connected to the one we're uh we're playing today so and today is our quarterly composer showcase. Yes, it is. And this month, or this quarter, we are focusing on Manami Matsume. And I am excited, man. This is a me too. This is a lady who I think I feel like there are some names that transcend VGM culture, like Koji Kondo, Nobu Uematsu, Koichi Sugiyama, Yoko Shimomura, um, you know, Yuzo Koshiro, Mick Gordon, uh, Austin Wintry. There are names that are out there that other people know, and then there are some like Takashi Tateishi. Maybe Yasunori Mitsuda and definitely Manami Matsume, who um, or Matsumai, who, however you want to say it, Soyo Oka. You know that people outside the VGM scene are not as familiar with, and even I, as uh, we talked about this just briefly a minute ago, as I was looking through the games, I'm not really super familiar with a lot of these, and um, so yeah, I'm excited to dig into this and uh, really explore some of her her music. She's almost an undersung composer because I feel like most people know her from maybe one or two games 
But she's actually got a pretty diverse Generally body just work. Mega Man. Yeah. Generally just Mega Man. Indeed. The biggest thing she probably did still to this day is, is Mega Man and Mega Man 2. Um, yeah, I think UN Squadron, also known as uh, Area 88, is one that Area people a little bit mm-hmm. older than us may remember her from. Uh, that's probably her second biggest. She was also involved in Final Fight. Um, and so, uh, c- kind of like uh, Shimomura, composed with some other composers early on. And unfortunately, in some of those games, you know, we still don't know exactly who composed what. So, I, I, I so we can't really pick on a showcase episode exactly. exactly. Yeah, so... <laughs> But that I actually avoided a few games that she composed with her husband for that reason as well, because they're just both credited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, And I think some of that was even from before when she was um, when she was Minami. I had it pulled up a second ago. There are a couple of games where she is credited as um, Minami Goto. Minami Goto. Yes. And uh, she also used... Or Chan Chakorin. Yeah, she used a couple of pen names, as some of them did early on, to uh, to avoid scalping um, from, from you know, from some of the reports we've heard, at least at Falcom. That's why Falcom had their composers do that, because they didn't want them to be scalped by other, uh, by other companies. Uh, and in some of these, she was uncredited. She was just kind of a guest composer. And one, at least, that we're going to be playing later, she uh, referred to herself as Cha-Cha, so... Uh, but yeah, she, but she is one of the old guards. She was involved in arcades in the 80s, but has still been making stuff within the last five years, still helping out working on games. So, yeah, she's not as active anymore. I mean, you know, she might get a credit every now and then. She had is going to have one this year, mm-hmm. um, had one in 2021, 2020, then 2017. And there was like pretty much kind of one per year for a little while there. And a few years ago, her name popped up on radars because of Mighty Number no. 9 and uh, Shovel Knight. Indeed. So, Shovel Knight. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, but uh, by all accounts, a, a pretty cool lady. I heard her on an interview with the uh, Supermarcado Bros. So they were fortunate enough to get a MAGFest one year. And she just seemed like such a cool, humble, uh, just a nice person to to talk to and so th- that made me really feel good you know so nice very very nice yeah i'm excited for this episode too man like i i also didn't realize how much game boy music she had composed throughout her career either yeah i know and i'm excited about s- some of the old stuff i wasn't familiar with but also about the fact that we have a pretty wide range because we pulled from some of her newer things as well and we'll get to hear kind of how her sound evolved and she uh one of those game boy games that uh speaking of things that make you feel good uh i love the adventures of lolo on the nes and that that over the the main theme that um hideki kanazashi composed will forever be stuck in my head i i loved the sequels on the nes and i never knew that it had a sequel on game boy but lo and behold uh, the our play and track um, Lolo no Daiboken what's it's not Adventures of Lolo for the Game Boy <laughs> was yeah, basically composed by Manami Matsumai and um, it was had a really nice you know it wasn't a very long loop and just had a really nice sort of play in let's establish a playful tone kind of sound so there you go <laughs> there you go track 10 none of them have names and that's going to come back up a couple of times in the episode. A couple of times, yeah, it will. It absolutely will. But, you know, that's how it was back in the day on some of these games. So This is a really fun track, though. 
It is. Like, this is a really fun, bouncy, energetic. Like it is. And it, and it has a, um, I don't know. It has some. It definitely has a playful undertone. It's kind of. It has a little bit of a whimsical feel, but it's it's a really fun. Track. Yeah, I got a little bit of a circus feel. Like I said, it reminds me. A little bit. Um, a little bit. Reminds me some of. Uh, um, Kazumi Totaka's work on things like uh, Super Mario Land 2. And it's, uh, you know, it, it's different from Lolo on the NES, but it still has that fun sort of innocent feel to it. And um, yeah, I just, I, I don't know if this game was also developed by HAL. Uh, when did I say this was released? This was 1994, 1994. man. So late, yeah. late, and this was after she went uh, she went freelance in 1991. Uh, she started, of course, with with Capcom, where she did her work on, like we said, Final Fight, UN Squadron, um, Mega Man, of course. Looks like it was developed by Hal. A couple other games. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, she also worked only on released a, in Japan and Europe. It never came out in the U.S. Okay, that that would be why I have never heard of it. So, uh, yeah. So. Yeah, um, but we're going to hear from a, a couple of uh, games that were developed by other companies that we'll be familiar with. And then, yeah, again, we'll move into the modern era a bit. Um, I actually, I jumped straight into the Shovel Knight tracks when I first started exploring this, and they were the first ones I checked against your playlist, and you have indeed played both of the tracks that she composed for Shovel Knight. Uh, that is uh, Flowers of Antimony, <laughs> the, the Plague Knight yes. theme, and uh, Thousand Leagues Below, the Treasure Knight theme. So Yep, the only two she did. Yep, yep. That's a played them both. Great tracks. <laughs> But yeah, they are. instead of talking about what we didn't bring, do you want to go ahead and jump into our your first block of what we did bring? <laughs> I will. I will say there was a game that I really wanted to pick from, but the music just, it's all right. But we've played, and it's very similar to other games because it's all part of the same series. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to pick from another Bible. <laughs> I almost did. Just, I almost did. Just because did. it's tied to Megami Tensei. Yeah. I really wanted to pick from that game. Well, I just, but I just thought music, it was... It's all right. I thought it was really... But... You know, I thought the music was pretty cool, but we already had so much Game Boy by the time I got to the Another Bible soundtrack. And so, yeah, I just uh, decided to go, you know, put something else. And yeah, and I'm glad because... And you know what's funny? Before we get into your block, um, this is the only time... Um, that uh, there have been a couple of times when I asked if you would go ahead and post your tracks so that I could see what they I were. I don't usually go first. Yeah, you don't usually. Um, you let me, you give me that that honor, and then you'll you'll have some backups to pick. But I needed some help narrowing it down. I like to fill the gaps. That's what <laughs> I like doing. I like yeah. to fill the gaps. Well, and unfortunately, when we narrowed it down this time, um, I had picked from almost all the same games you had. So I only had one <laughs> left, two left over after uh, after I I culled the ones from, you know, games you already picked. But that gave me the chance to, uh, you know, to jump in and explore some more stuff. And I think the show is going to be a little better for it. So I think this is going to be good. I think it will be good. So let's go ahead and get started with our first block. We're starting strong as well, obviously. I went all the way back back to the first game that she composed by herself, which is actually her second credit, which is insane. <laughs> you think about it, right? Like the second game and the first game she did on her own yeah. was Mega Man. That's Man, insane. It is. Absolutely insane. That's a, that's a chrono trigger moment right there. It is. It absolutely is. So let's start this off by taking a listen to Fireman Stage from Mega Man. This released on December 17th, 1987, and it was composed by Manami Matsume. Thank you. 
Coming up next, let's take a listen to Tai Men Sha, Round 2 from Dynasty Wars. This released in July 1989, and it was composed by Manami Matsumai. Last up in this block, let's take a listen to Thundercloud, the arranged version from Area 88. This released in 1989, and it was composed by Manami Matsumai.
coming back in, we are talking about Fireman Stage from Mega Man. Again, released December 17th, 1987, and composed by Manami Matsume. We've only played one track from Mega Man. You realize that. We were talking about it when we were listening to this. Yeah. We've only played one track from this game in the past. Elik Man. That Frank brought way back in our first ever October series wow. when we focused on Mega Man back in like 2017. Wow. That's it's a, six years. That is, that is straight up kooky dukes. It's... You know, and and Mega Man does often get overshadowed by Mega Man Two and Mega Man Three uh, soundtrack wise. Yeah, we played uh, a lot of music from other Mega Man games. Well, it's such a strong this one, such a strong series, and uh, but a lot of people, you know, don't really give credit. I think to the fact that Minami Matsume started that sound, uh, and she did it with with nothing to go off of except her own musical taste and a and and a, you know uh, sensibilities and. She really did a great job. There's not a, a weak track on the soundtrack. Um, I almost brought uh, Cutman's theme or Bomb Man's theme, both very good. Uh, but yeah, this is a this is a really really solid track, dude. Great way to start it out. Yeah, I think Elik Man is my favorite from this soundtrack, which we'd already played. I think it is generally considered to be the strongest track. It's really good. I mean, it's definitely it's really really good. Mm-hmm. But I've always liked the vibe of this track too. Mm-hmm. Yeah just it remind i don't know what it reminds me of honestly but it doesn't necessarily remind me of mega man yeah i i hear what you Even mean though it's from mega man you know what i mean like the like i could hear this in something i just don't know what it is it's something from the nes i just don't know what it is yeah i know what you mean um it actually more than the nes it almost is reminiscent of some of the work that um uh, what's his name i'll remember later on uh, um man it's it's almost popped into my head anyway sonic one and sonic two it sounds kind of reminiscent of some of the work that uh, masato nakamura did on those um it does you're not wrong uh especially like the the death egg and um, the more industrial zones but I do like the vibe here. I think that Takashi Tateshi in Mega Man 2, when he wrote Heatman's theme, was kind of trying to build a little bit on this one. And uh, unfortunately, uh, Heatman is, I think, the weakest track in Mega Man 2 soundtrack, but uh, which has some really, really great songs on it. Um, it, it does. Absolutely. And uh, does. one of the best songs on the soundtrack, Airman, was actually a collaboration between uh, Takashi Tateshi and Manami Matsumai. Uh, the chorus was actually written by Matsumai. And uh, in return, Takashi Tateshi did a little cameo on one of her tracks in Area 88, UN Squadron. So a little bit of trivia there well, that's for you. So There you go. Yeah. Um, Bomb Man is probably my favorite track on uh, on Mega Man's uh, OST, besides Luck Man. Uh, it has kind of a jazzy feel to it that I like a lot. So It does. It does. Yeah. The entire soundtrack, like you said, there's not really a bad track on the original Mega Man soundtrack. It just... It doesn't get as much love. Yeah. It doesn't. It, uh, but you know, it's a really, really strong start that established the tone for a really great series. And she came back and did uh, Nitro Man for Mega Man Ten, along with a lot of other classic Mega Man composers. Which uh, absolutely, you have yeah, also that was cool that they played. did that. We have played that too. Yes, very strong track. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, figured we'd start because I knew you took the opener. So I figured I'd start my block with, you know, Mega Man. Her most famous game. Yeah. Her, not only her most famous, but it also did start her career solo. Yeah. Like the first one she did on her own. So For sure. Yeah. Start there. But then we go into a couple arcade games. And I think you, yeah, you actually also have an arcade game in your next yeah, block. Yeah, opening my next block. So we have a little mini arcade block here. We do. We do. 
And our first one is from Dynasty Wars. We listened to Tai Men Shah, Round 2. Again, released sometime in July of 1989, composed by Manami Matsumai. Um, you and you were kind of mentioning how you had thought this was one of the better sounding arcade soundtracks that kind of are available. And I think I would tend to agree. Yeah, and um, to be clear, I'm not talking about the composition necessarily, but just the, like we've talked about... It's the about, way that it sounds. So we talked about the GBA and the DS having kind of weak sound chips, and yeah. um, it's these these uh, arcade cabinets, uh, the sound hardware on them was so diverse, and but even some of the other stuff Capcom put out, like Final Fight, uh, it doesn't sound very clear, but this one um, really, really does. And uh, your next one, of course, being an arranged version of a, of an arcade track is even more so. But Yeah, that's kind of cheating, but she technically did that herself, but so it counts. Yeah, but this is, <laughs> this is really, really clear. It's got a great sound to it. This was the, I had this track, um, this specific track pulled on my list as well before, before you posted yours. So I think we can, it's you and I can concur. It's definitely the strongest track from this game. I was going to say, I was going to say, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely the strongest one from this game. Very fun. Um, a lot going on in this track. Mm -hmm. There is just a constant barrage of sound, and I really like that. I also really like the trills when it comes in every, like, 20, 30 seconds. Yep. It's really nice. Yeah, the trills are, are really fun, and... Uh what you talk about about a lot going on carries over into the the next track that we talked about and this one maybe more than any of the others we've played so far it really makes me realize how much of an impact she must have had on jay kaufman because he does the same thing where he always has four or five things going on at the same time and that's what makes his tracks so re-listenable um you could listen to this uh, thundercloud from area 88 I think either the original or the arranged version. And, you know. Yeah, they're both great. You can listen they're to both it amazing. five times in a row and still be discovering new stuff to listen to. Yeah. In the background, we have moved into Area 88 uh, or otherwise known here in the U.S. as UN Squadron, though the arcade version never did release here, I don't think. I think I just don't recall like seeing this cabinet anywhere. versions. Yeah. I saw stuff like Battle of Midway, but the this one. Console. Yeah, this one I never saw. Yeah, I believe it was just the home console versions that released over here. Um, Capcom, at some point, I don't know exactly when. Actually, I do. September 30th, 2006. They released the original soundtrack to this game just with more modern sound to it, right? And Manami Matsume came back and arranged Thundercloud, as, as she did for other tracks on the game as well. Uh, so that's why I said this counts. She arranged her own track. If someone else had arranged it, I wouldn't have brought it because I wouldn't have counted. Uh, but this is just incredible, dude. This is absolutely incredible. The original is amazing. Mm -hmm. But this is this is a step beyond amazing. Like, it just sounds so, so 80s. It does. And, and I, I was going to say so much. I was going to say she didn't just make it modern. She made it sound like what I feel like she would have wanted it to sound like in the 80s if she had everything available to her. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, oh man, it's just so good. I, you know I love that vibe. You know I love that. I mean, the hair metal is my favorite. I love power ballads. Like, I love all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And this has just got some this beautiful synthesizer work. It really does. And a really, really rocking drum beat in the background, dude. Yeah, I could just... I could hear this like at a, you know, at a live show. Um, I, I, if she performed this at MAGFest or something, man, everybody would be, at least our age, everybody would be going nuts <laughs> over this. That would be fun. 
And it'd be a lot of fun. Do you know if that arrange track was uh, an NT Creates thing, or was it a? Um, I do not know. Because I, I know, know that she did quite a bit of arranged work on um, some Mega Man uh, re-releases that NT Creates put out. Um, they did like. Um, uh, I think they were the ones who put out Mega Man 10, but they also, I think, did some uh, did some just standalone albums of Mega Man arrangements. And looks like it was released under the label of Celept Celep Celepter Celeputer. Hmm. Okay, gotcha. uh, it does not look like an indie creates yeah. thing. Had, yeah, that doesn't sound sound related, but but it, it does go to, go to show she was involved in that kind of thing. And I I feel like she took it looks like she took some time off uh, after the mid nineties. Um, you know, she did things here and there, like you said, maybe every other year or so, but she wasn't very busy at all between, uh, she's only got one, two, her last busy year three, four, five. was like 94, dude. Her last busy year was 1994. Yeah. I mean, she's got five games between 96 and 2006. Um, but then in the teens, she, uh, she started coming back every, every year or so, like you said. And, um, I, I feel like she was playing on these soundtracks where the developers must have been like, man, for this, I really want somebody who sounds kind of like a, you know, like, like Manami Matsume, like the lady from Mega Man. And then lo and behold, they were able to get her for at least for a track or two <laughs> and sometimes for the full, the full soundtrack. But yeah, man, that's, that's probably not, yeah, that's probably not far off from the truth. <laughs> and, and this that's right when here Kickstarter is kind of blowing up, right? That's when yeah. Kickstarter kind of started blowing up. So exactly. Yeah. She was a she was probably one of the first stretch goals, you know, <laughs> and, um, and this is, I think, indicative of um, as we'll hear in my my later block uh, indicative of some of her later work. This is this is the sound that people closer to our age went for when they started developing neo retro games. Oh, yeah. So absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. But great stuff. But yeah, that was my my first block. Great stuff, man. Very, very strong first block. And uh you know, continuing, like we said, in, in the arcade with um, one of the best uh, best sounding soundtracks, again, that, that I found that you hadn't already picked from. <laughs> this is uh, Mercs, another Capcom joint. We're going to listen to Mission 6 again from Mercs. This is released on March 2nd of 1990, uh, composed like everything else was on the episode today by Minami Matsumai.
Next, we're going to listen to Swallowed Up Innocence, the Battle Coliseum stage from Mighty Number no. 9, released June 21st, 2016, composed by Manami Matsumai. Rounding out my first block, we're going to listen to track 14 from Quiz Tonosama no Yabo, released October 10th, 1992, composed by Manami Matsumai.
coming back in, we're going to start off talking about Mission 6 from Mercs on the arcade. And Indeed. Y- you pointed out a couple of things in this uh, block I didn't think about before. This, this track sounds a lot more like Konami than Capcom. I it was really thinking does. Contra. It really does. And uh, and you pointed out that, um, that when it gets going, it sounds more like a little guy, like Castlevania. So yeah, more maybe more specifically Castlevania two, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah, if, I if I'm hear that. Kind of trying to place the soundtracks correctly, but it does really remind me a lot of some of that early Castle. Maybe not as fast in some areas. Castlevania music definitely had a bit of speed to it at times. Yeah, that, that goth rock thing going on. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's sick. But this is just really cool. I did not explore the Merc soundtrack when uh, picking my tracks for this episode, so I was kind of cool or excited to see that you had picked something from it after you saw what I brought to the show. Um, no idea what this game's about. It kind of, just based on what we're seeing, it kind of maybe resembles Contra? It looks like it, yeah. It's definitely a military game. You see a helicopter and a couple of buff guys with a lot of ammo strapped to their chests and, and big guns. Um, big guns holding big guns. I thought that was guns. you. <laughs> I thought that was you over there in front and center. <laughs> and uh, it looks like, um, what's his name? Ivan Drago. Uh, it really does. Can't remember. It really does. Can't remember his name, but yeah. Um, but uh, this is Mission 6, and um, Mission 1 was also really strong. A little more upbeat, which is why I didn't bring it. I, this has kind of a dangerous sound to it. Um, which I, I didn't really think about this, but also happens to pair nicely with the uh, with the next yeah, track. Say, I they brought. go hand in hand. Um, Harkening <laughs> back to Mega Man uh, from from Mighty Number no. Nine, a game that just was not well received. Not 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 a good example of early Kickstarter uh, type type games, crowdfunded games. It's unfortunate that it really revolved around um, Kaiji and Afune. Mm, yeah. Like, Mighty Number no. 9 really, really didn't do well. And then he also had that other Kickstarter game that Minami Matsumai was going to compose for mm-hmm. called Red Dawn that just never came out yeah. after it got funded. It is. It's unfortunate. Not sure. Not sure what went wrong there, but but and then because of that, this game's legacy is its controversy. Because I feel like if if you went and played like a final version now, it would be just a solid mediocre game. It wouldn't be it's, horrible. It's very mediocre. Yeah, it's not terrible, but it's just very very. Average. But it's not Mega Man. <laughs> it's not Mega Man at all. It's definitely not Mega. I like I told you, I played. I think I got through two bosses and I started the third. I had died at some point, and I was like, eh, you know, I'll come back to it later. I never went back to it. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that Matsumai's involvement was the, the strongest thing about about this game's release. It was what I was most excited for, mm-hmm. was yeah. hearing her kind of compose Mega Man-like music again. And obviously, Inafune getting to do a Mega Man-like game again, but man, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't it. Yeah. It wasn't good. Just didn't deliver. But, but the music, very strong. And this... Different, this is cool. different than what you would expect from Mega Man. Maybe a little bit of a Mega Man 11 feel. I feel like this came out a little bit before Mega Man 11, though, I think. Um, but uh, you and I had trouble putting our finger on it. We came up with a couple of things. I said it sounded a little bit like the more modern Kirby games. And um, we both mentioned Yoko Shimomura, and you you talked about uh, the, the sound kind of like JRPGs. but It really does have a JRPG vibe to it. It also has a really, really suspenseful vibe to it. 
Yeah. Um, when when it goes do 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 do, and then it just like the piano hit. Like mm-hmm. I don't know, that part just has a really really suspenseful feel to it, and it's kind of cool. It is, and again, different from what we've heard uh, over most of the first block. Um, overall, a little bit, little bit darker, which I don't know may possibly lead us uh, in, into your your opening track in your next block. But um, at this point, uh, I believe this came out after your arranged um, track from Area Eighty Eight, right? After she did the arrangement. Oh, it did. Yeah, that came that came out in two thousand six. Okay, this came out ten years after. Yeah. This was a full decade after. So the the most recent game so far on the list. Um, but hearkening back again to her her very earliest roots, so um, but yeah, happy to be able to bring it in a cool, just a cool kind of departure. And then we we swing in a completely different direction that is also kind of a departure, unlike anything else, <laughs> I think, on the playlist. Uh, and from the, the only game that she composed for the Turbo Graphics, uh, this is. Uh, something that I just happened to catch on Moby Games and on Wikipedia, Quiz Tonosama no Yabo, and I haunted it down on one of the uh, websites we use that has some more obscure music. Then again, no track titles, so this is track fourteen. But I just love this, dude. This is so fun. Yeah, this is really cool. You pointed out, uh, I don't know what you called them. What are they called? Uh, it's like synthetic vocal sounds, but it's just like a do 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 do. It's it's not like the wah sound, but it has that like that vibe to it from mm-hmm. those old Casio pianos. Uh, they're just baked into the background. They they do take uh, front like center stage almost there for maybe 20 seconds or so. Yeah, it starts so around cool like the 28 sounding. second mark somewhere in there. Yeah, <laughs> it's so cool sounding. And this is just, this is really fast. It's really, it's got some speed to it. It is, I like it's it. very upbeat and it's got that combination of sort of uh, sort of fast jazz and also um, that, that Asian uh, flair and the, the Asian progression there. It, it reminds me a lot of... Um, Specifically of Jumbo Tsuruta's track from one of the um, Nippon uh, pro wrestling games uh, on the SNES. And this is a fun little soundtrack, though. I would definitely encourage people to uh, Google Quiz Tonosama no Yabo. Um, (laughs) And (laughs) this one was uh, developed by Capcom, but published by Hudson, again, for the TurboGrafx CD. And yeah, just a fun little soundtrack. And uh, I thought a fun little way to end... A game I had never heard of. My first block. Same. Yeah, same here. Never heard of this game. Never came out here. I'm sure it must... It, it, maybe it was based on like a like a game show because I think this is part of a series of games. And I don't think she was involved well, I in the found, Yeah, I found similar games that had like Capcom no something quiz something something like very similar words. Yabo was in there. Um, like, I, I don't know exactly, this must be some sort of series, but uh, no idea what it's based on. Also, uh, fun fun to mention, this apparently released on my 10th birthday, so. <laughs> well, there you go. Should have imported it. Had a big old quiz birthday bash. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Like Bugs Bunny's birthday bash. Bugs Bunny, man. That was a fun game. It was it was it would be frustrating to go back and play now but man for 
for my age when it came out it was it was all right it was fun <laughs> that was also that was also a, a foreshadow yep it was it was i was gonna let you go there though because <laughs> i'm ready i'm ready to jump into your next uh, next block if you are ready sir yeah i i think i am and in this upcoming block i have two sunsoft games which she started working and doing some stuff with sunsoft after she went freelance in 91 mm-hmm. and then especially on game boy the only exactly yeah game boy she really really started doing a lot on and then a square enix title yeah um one of the only games in this franchise that koichi sugiyama didn't actually do which is crazy honestly crazy it is but now that he passed i mean it's technically wonder if they'll go back to manami metsume <laughs> to do music for the series man that that would be super cool that would, that be, would really be crazy. Cool. That would be crazy. Yeah. That'd be crazy. So let's go ahead and jump into this. We're going to kick this block off by taking a listen to Train Top, otherwise known as Stage 3, from Batman Return of the Joker, released March 28th, 1992. It is the Game Boy version, and it was composed by Minami Matsume.
Next up in this block, let's take a listen to Roadrunner from Looney Tunes. This released on October 2nd, 1992, and it was composed by Manami Matsumai. Last up in this block, let's take a listen to Gopher Broke from Dragon Quest Swords, The Masked Queen, and The Tower of Mirrors. This released on February 19th, 2008, and it was composed by Manami Matsumai.
coming back in, we are again talking about Train Top Stage 3 from the Game Boy version of Batman Return of the Joker, again released March 28th, 1992, composed by Manami Matsume. This, oh my god, dude, this entire soundtrack, it's so, so good. Obviously, I still prefer the NES version, the NES version of this game like the soundtrack is just so iconic mm-hmm. but it is this honestly holds up it and really it does. definitely you can tell like she tried and very successfully <laughs> to mimic what uh naoki kodaka did with this game on the nes yeah yeah she did a very good job here um and, and i like that she she sort of it's a nod to his style but it's still very much her own her own thing. Uh, she stayed in her. Yeah, it, it honestly has zone. a lot of Mega Man in here. It does. There's a lot of Mega Man it in does. this track. And it reminds me a little bit of some of Junko Tamiya's work on the NES as well. Um, and uh, another early Capcom composer that, uh, that, that Matsumai was, was there around the same time as. And but just just really strong, and it's got that Batman darkness, but it's it's also got the action that you need in uh, you know in a game like Batman, and just very very strong showing on Game Boy from Matsumai today. Did not realize how much of a just how good of a Game Boy composer she was. Yeah, definitely. I didn't either. Like I mentioned that at the start of the show, right? I didn't realize until I started looking mm-hmm. just how much Game Boy existed in her discography. Um, and it's kind of cool that we got to, to highlight that. For sure. Bit. For sure. Yeah, I would definitely put her up there in the, the ranks of some of the best Game Boy composers. It's very different from Alberto Gonzalez, and she didn't do as much as he did. But but she actually didn't do much in general, unlike the biggest. Yeah, compared like to some picture. of the other. Yeah, some of the others we it, know. Compared to composers that were active in the 80s like when video games really took off and that are still going today because there are a lot of them that are still going today and they have been going for the last 40 years mm-hmm. um, yeah. or almost 40 years she hasn't like her list isn't that long in terms of games composed for it's really not but i feel like uh you know um every game that she did take the time out to uh, compose for she she knocked it out of the park oh it's really strong yeah, yeah very absolutely strong. very good yeah, track it's record kind of kind of crazy looking at like her list of works compared to others around the same time period it just Think, and how yeah, small like it actually is Yusuko Shiro, Yoko Shimomura, Motoi yeah. Sakuraba, Nobuo Imatsu. hundreds of yeah. games <laughs> Exactly. She she definitely has less than a hundred. Much more comparable to Naoki Kodaka in that way. Yes, absolutely. His list is also relatively small. Yeah, for yep. sure. It really is. Yeah. But but man, speaking of Game Boy, maybe I don't know. It it's going to be hard for me to pick a favorite on this on this on this uh, playlist because a lot of different stuff here. But this kind of reminds me of that quiz game uh, that I that I brought last last block. Yeah, it really really, really fun, is similar. Really fun track. Road Runner from <laughs> Looney Tunes, just called Looney Tunes. Mm-hmm. Another Game Boy game. Uh, this one released October second, nineteen ninety two. Again, composed by Manami Matsume. With this, a really fun oh, soundtrack. Man, this is just, yes, absolutely. I had uh, I had this Porky entire Pig soundtrack on my is list. good. Did you? <laughs> I did. Okay, okay. <laughs> this entire soundtrack is just really, really fun to listen to. It is. Uh, 
obviously, you and I have talked previously on the show that we are both fans of Looney Tunes. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a very, very Looney Tunes vibe. I again, I don't quite. You you explain that some of the the sounds going on do kind of sound like Roadrunners meeps, mm-hmm. but uh, I was I I don't quite get this as as Roadrunners theme. I don't. But it doesn't matter to me. Like this is just a really fun track to listen to. It's got a more kind of southern dance, like a hootenanny kind of feel. Uh, something like Yosemite Sam or Foghorn Leghorn. But it also reminds me of It, it really is a Foghorn Leghorn track. It really, honestly. Yeah, it really yeah, is. I think that would that would be that would be right right on the money. But it reminds me of baseball soundtracks on the NES. Yeah, great American ballparks. Mm-hmm. Go down, get a dollar dog, maybe a bobblehead. <laughs> I mean, couldn't you just catch a foul hear this, ball or like three? on a like like the the score screen that pops up after after an inning? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, just yeah. RBI bases baseball or something. Or, bases loaded. Any of the yeah, exactly. Stars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, you could. Absolutely. Yeah. That's. Have we done that? Have we? Oh, that might be have fun we, to do man, as well. If we haven't done baseball games, we'll have to go back. There is some really fantastic baseball game music out there. There really is. There really is. Especially the older baseball games, yes. right? Like NES, SNES baseball games. Obviously, nowadays, they tend to just use licensed music. Um, well, but. In, in in the Western developed games, in the, there is a Japanese developed series Um like like the pro Jikyu, the pro yaku pro, yeah, yeah. Jikyu pro yaku yeah, yeah, that yeah. that has some really really good music in it it does it does but uh, but yeah uh, by and large a lot of the lot of it is either just like the announcer and the crowd or it's licensed music <laughs> I in terms of just baseball games in general am very very fond of Super Mega Baseball mm-hmm. and the fourth one actually comes out today the day we're recording this episode oh, June second cool so yeah, cool. I'm gonna be buying that after work today. <laughs> All of my baseball fun was on the NES. Uh, RBI Baseball, Bases Loaded, Baseball Stars, and yep. Base Wars great. were the four that I played. So, Base Wars was so what fun. Was the bad, there was another one called Bad News something. Uh, bad, bad News Bears? Was it like the... Nah, I mean, it's... It's similar to that. <laughs> NES bad news. Bad, maybe just bad news baseball. Oh, I guess it's just called it's just called bad news baseball. Yeah. Okay. I used to play the hell out of that. That game. does sound familiar. Yeah, we'll have to revisit yeah. that later on. Yeah, I used this one. I owned um, bad news. It was a Tecmo game. But yeah, mm-hmm. I I owned that, and I used to. My dad and I, he was a big fan of that game too. We played a lot of bad news baseball back in the day. Oh, that's super cool. That's really cool, man. Yeah. But yeah, this is a fun track. Um, again, definitely not very road runner, <laughs> but man, it doesn't matter. It's just so good. It's so good. It is. It's so good. And speaking of things that are just so good. Yeah, dude. Oh, we move into Dragon Quest Swords, the Masked Queen and the Tower of Mirrors. We listened to Go For Broke. Again, this released February 19, 2008, and it was composed by Minami Matsume. This just makes me happy. This just makes me so happy. I'm such a big Dragon Quest fan. And in that regard, right, like I know Sugiyama has. He yeah, had has some skeletons some in his closet. Yeah. I think anybody who things. lives to that age may probably has some things, you know, even if we don't know but about them. Holy but. shit, dude, is the music in Dragon Quest just so amazing. Oh, yeah. There's like, no denying his genius it for is sure. Absolutely incredible. And, you know, unfortunately, he did pass away in 2021. 
with Dragon Quest 12 on the horizon, like it is coming relatively soon. Yeah. Um, in a couple more years, to they won't take much longer. We're getting an actual, we're getting a Dragon Quest game in September. It's like a spin-off action game. I saw something about that. Yeah. And and you mentioned that uh, that her Batman game was uh, kind of an homage to Naoki Kodaka style. This is um, I hesitate to use the word imitation because it implies that she was like maybe phoning something in, which she obviously is not. This is this is really really true to um, Sugiyama's sound. Yeah, to me, like it sounds like she used the same instruments, like his studio, more or less, right? She was sitting in there using his everything, composing this music because it sounds so Dragon Quest. Like, if I didn't know this was Manami Matsume, I would think it was Koichi Sugiyama. Yeah. Because of it's Dragon Quest. Like, I wouldn't know. And I can't tell the difference by listening to it. And I like that. I like that I can't tell the difference. I like that it sounds so similar to what it should sound like because Dragon Quest has such a very, very recognizable sound to it, which is why they reuse the music all the time in that franchise, right? Like, every game has same tracks that have been in there for the last 12 games like they're just either redone or not even redone and just put back in there like they reuse a lot of music but I think they still will to be fair I think Sugiyama will still get credits on future Dragon Quest games just because they reuse his music but I'm curious who they put in like that chair now as the main composer of Dragon because Dragon Quest is going to continue yeah I wonder yeah, if course. it will it's be much of a, since she did yeah too much of a cash cow for them but yeah I would be curious to see and, you know, I wonder, I don't even know if she would be up for something as as consistent as that, you know? She, well, uh, to be fair, Dragon Quest isn't super consistent. Yeah, I mean, you're not, like, getting a game every three years or anything from them, but... No. <laughs> there is there is quite a bit of distance between games, um, and they could get different composers for the spinoff games. Like, I would just hope they have, like, one big name in mind for their mainline games. That would be really cool, and I'm just curious who it would be. But this is such good battle music it's so good it really is it really is and and like you said she does a really really incredible job of um staying true to uh Tsugiyama's sound and uh, th this sounds just like some of the later game battles in the only Dragon Quest I got even close to the end of uh, Dragon Quest 9 because um, I just I, I don't I haven't spent a whole lot of time in these games um, I don't know what it is really about them maybe it's just that I pick and choose so much and I'm more of a like a, a Chrono Trigger Final Fantasy type guy um, but yeah but yeah this is this is really really good stuff very strong and very different from anything else on the playlist today which I like a lot yeah we really are you know to the best of our ability showcasing the widest range we can for Minami Matsume which is kind of cool yep it really is and uh I'm going to kind of continue that with, with my, my second block, our last block coming up here. We also are cruising through this episode. I just will point that out. <laughs> we really Live are. on air, I'll point that out. We are cruising through this, which I'm not complaining about because it is almost 1 a.m., but we are cruising through this episode <laughs> yeah. in terms of a composer appreciation. We got started a little bit late, <laughs> and um, you know some of those episodes from, uh, from last month did run a little bit long because I can talk so much about Zelda, but coming up on some some really more recent games here um, from uh, around the time or later than a uh, mighty number no. nine released. 
We're going to start things off with a game from 2018. The full name of this game is Ultra Space Battle Brawl, and uh, we are going to be listening to the opening theme released July 5th, 2018, and composed once again by Manami Matsumai. from an opening theme to a credits theme. We're going to listen to The Battle Is Over, credits from Mighty Fight Federation, released February 7th, 2020, and composed by Manami Matsumai.
And for my last pick of the episode, we're going to listen to Mysterious Ocean from Flat Kingdom, released April 7th, 2016, and composed by Manami Matsumai. Coming back in, we are talking about the opening theme from Ultra Space Battle Brawl. Once again, released July 5th on 2018. And uh, yeah, really just banging, super hype opening theme here. Yeah, interesting characters in the game. I don't think I'd ever heard of this before. I know exactly what font they used for their logo. I'm pretty sure I have that same font downloaded on my PC (laughs) and have used it in the past. Yep, L- definitely looks like some. I really like this. It's this is really fun. It's really cool. Uh, it sounds like uh, like maybe something from the the Robot Tyson series. It's it's very very Japanese. <laughs> it's like oh, it really is um, like superhero Japanese superhero type vibes. Um, and and man, I'm looking at at the game on Steam right now, and it looks like like Battle Pong. You got these really cartoony characters. Uh, knocking this orb of light across the screen and trying to get it like past the other person's uh, like the edge of the other person's screen and um, it's got some homages the opening has this shirtless dude with a baseball bat like standing with lightning flashes behind (laughs) him and at the end he swings his bat at the screen and and the, the title pops up so it's like Ryu in the Street Fighter games um, and I will say one thing that all three of these games have in common is that on Steam, all of them shout out the fact that Manami Matsumai was involved in their soundtracks. <laughs> and That's they, probably why they got as much recognition as they did. And they refer to her as, as legendary composer Manami Matsumai, which is crazy to talk about because like we've said, not a huge discography from, from her. She did quite a few games, and but everything she did was so good. And some of the things she did were so like such big landmarks in in game music history that she was recognized still decades later for what she had done and i think that's really yeah, really cool absolutely it is but uh yeah th- this is really cool and you said she only did one track from this game she only did the opening track from this game this must have been a kickstarter thing i'm sure i'm sure it, it looks very very indie so 
<laughs> and honestly, it looks it looks a little low budget. Uh, some of the assets, but I mean the game. I mean, it, if you like this kind of game, um, it it's ten dollars on Steam. You go go check it out. We'll watch the video. It looks like it could be fun for people who would enjoy this kind of thing. That's not really my style, but uh, it looks well done. I mean the controls and everything look like they would be they would be pretty good, and the characters are full of personality. So yeah, and it's just fun hearing Matsume do like again modern releases right this was 2018 so absolutely and five years ago and both this one and the next one uh released only three years ago in 2020 yeah. do have a very mm-hmm. modern sound to them and uh, she also only did one track on the the next game mighty federation mighty fight federation she only did the credits theme called the battle is over and you really enjoy the also vibe of this cool. track. I would assume this is a Kickstarter as well, so she did an opening for that first one and then a closing for this one. I assume this is probably Kickstarter as well, but I don't know for sure. Maybe but what's cool about this soundtrack is you don't just have uh, Matsumai, you also have uh, T-Lopes is involved in this soundtrack. Uh, James Landino from Ruby is on this soundtrack. And freaking Vince DiCola, dude, from Rocky Four and Transformers. Wow. Um, wow. All four of them. This is a stacked soundtrack. Has, this has to then have been stretch goals yeah. to get all of them. Did they each just do one track apiece? No, uh, they did. Uh, oh, wow. M- Matsumai only did one. But I know, I think Vince DiCola did two or three. Um, T. Lopes did a couple. Uh, it, it, it was a mix. Um but this had a, it, it is a, kind of a, an, an arena style brawler, but it does look like it must have had some stretch goals because I'm seeing cameos here from Toe Jam and Earl and Yuka and Laylee, um, in addition to the, the the really weird characters that I pointed out on the, the YouTube video screen. But um, it yeah. doesn't look like it was a Kickstarter. I don't see it ever listed on there. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, developed by Comey Games, published by Forthright Entertainment, neither of which I've heard of. Maybe you have. Yeah, nor have. No, yeah, okay. I have not. But I mean, it, it looks, again, if you like this kind of game, it looks like it could be fun. It looks like a, a decent party game. Um, and got some, you know, got some cool assets. Definitely have some cool composers. So I do see here they added Jam and Earl. I wonder why. Yeah, I don't know. Jam, like I said, Jam and Earl and Yuka and Laylee from Ukulele, both uh, both cameo. It's weird. I wonder where the uh, like the partnerships came in for this game. I don't know. And and why it was all centered around this game. Um, I like the vibe. I will say, you and I were both kind of quiet after we were making fun of the characters that we saw. Um, you and I kind of got quiet and I was just listening to this. I really like that this track also is four minutes and 20 seconds. I always left a good 420. Mm-hmm. Um, but this just, this is really strong. It like, is. I like this. I like this a lot. And it's also great credits music, by the way. It is for sure. For sure. This reminds me a lot of some of Jay Kaufman's work on things like, like Mighty Switch Force. Um, and it, it, it's fun to think that maybe as much as Matsumai was obviously an influence on Kaufman and his work on Shovel Knight, that maybe their collaboration and some of Jake's work then might have influenced some of her later work on uh, on this game. And uh, maybe a little bit, not necessarily on the track we listened to, but on some of the other ones I heard, some of her work on my final track from Flat Kingdom as well. So... 
Well, you know she's obviously a big fan of his, just like he is of her. So. Oh yeah, you you can tell like in in pictures and videos of them like performing some of the shovel night music together. You can tell they just had a really great chemistry. So, and I mean, who wouldn't be? They both they both are um, seem like really really cool people, and um, obviously are extremely talented. So yeah, absolutely. But then I yeah, um, this is a great pick. My last one was uh, was really chill, a little bit sad, and uh, you you really seem to enjoy it as I thought you would. Um, yeah, it's just unfortunate that it's only a minute and a half. I know. Like, man, I wish it was longer. Several of the tracks on the soundtrack are really short. You can check it out on, on Bandcamp. Uh, this is the soundtrack to Flat Kingdom. Going back to 2016, uh, this is a Mysterious Ocean. And... April 7th, seeing a lot of games on here released in like March and April. It's interesting, but a lot of spring games. Yeah. But yeah, this is a um, uh, another independent game. Uh, can't tell if it was kickstarted or not. Doesn't necessarily seem like it. It seems um, um I don't know. You can never tell these days. Uh, developed by Fat Panda Games, published by Games Starter. <laughs> uh, it looks like it looks like just kind of a platformer action type game. Um, Steam description here says the Flat Kingdom is a beautiful and peaceful 2D land, but now it's threatened by an evil thief and becoming 3D. The only one who can stop this chaos is Flat, a little hero able to change into a circle, triangle, or square in order to solve puzzles, overcome obstacles, and defeat giant bosses. Okay, so it's a puzzle platformer. Yeah, I had heard of this game. This I am familiar with it. Obviously, they definitely took a little bit of visual inspiration from the Paper Mario franchise, mm-hmm. which is why it's called Flat Kingdom. Yeah. Um, there was a time when I was going to pick this up and play through it, but I never just got around to it. It looks like a game that if I ever really got into it, I would have fun with it. Something in the vein of like Hugh or Thomas Was Alone, yeah. you know? Uh, one of those kind of games. And um, once again, on the, the Steam description, it shouts out the fact that uh, it has music by legendary composer Minami Matsumai of Mega Man and Shovel Knight. <laughs> so, I wonder why, obviously, the track is titled Mysterious Ocean. I see by watching some of the videos that there are, like, you know, the, these are continents or pieces of land that are not connected. So there's obviously boats and stuff that you have to use to get around. At least it looks like it. Um, so maybe there's some sailing elements, not probably not, uh, but maybe like cutscenes or mm-hmm. just anything that takes place in the open ocean. Yeah. I'm curious, though, why it does have such a tragic feel to it. It definitely sounds like a cutscene theme and not like an action set it does. piece for sure. So, oh yeah, it's definitely not stage music. It's definitely not stage music. <laughs> yeah, at least I don't think it would be. It, it doesn't feel like it. You never it know. Was. But uh, it sounds like now. Now, if this was Ori and Gareth Coker, I would say, yeah, this could totally be stage music. Yeah, fair enough. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, <laughs> uh, I I knew that uh, knew that you would enjoy this and. Man, I have enjoyed this whole episode. This has been really cool, and I got to hear a lot of stuff that I had never heard of before. Yeah, mostly from stuff that you found because <laughs> you had to. Yep. But uh, it's cool that you had to dig a little deeper and, and bring some stuff that you normally wouldn't have brought because it definitely added to the episode, I think, having such a wide variety and a widespread. Um, this was a lot of fun. Like I said, probably one of the shorter composer appreciations we've gotten through in a while. 
I'm not complaining. I missed the, you know, the length that we used to hit from time to time. It definitely <laughs> doesn't take as long to edit. Like when we go two and a half hours like we did for Tears of the Kingdom and I got to cut that crap oh, down. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That was great, a lot of editing on that episode. Great job on that, by the way. When I listened back to it, I was like, man, I remember just rambling for like five more minutes on this part. But uh, but you really cut it down well. I could, <laughs> If I hadn't been on the episode with you, I wouldn't have been able to tell. So hats off. Yeah. I, I usually will find a stopping point in the middle of a sentence that connects to another stopping point several minutes later and I can combine those into one sentence and it flows perfectly. <laughs> it's magic of editing, but it's it's some serious splicing together. But since but it, hey, it, it works. Looks like we're just passing the uh the 90 minute point, so hopefully you won't have to do that much of that here. <laughs> no, I don't have to cut anything out here. It's all going to fit. All makes the episode. Nothing has to dry, uh, stay on the cutting room floor for this one. Too bad we didn't have a uh, an interview or something to beef this one up, but that's all right. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe next time. I'll have to look up who we're doing next time. I don't remember, but uh, <laughs> maybe. We'll see. We will see, but... But this was fun, man. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad we did this. I obviously always love doing our composer appreciation episodes. It so. is really a lot of fun. It's, And I like it because I really try to... Um, I feel like we try to challenge ourselves to both, you know, definitely reference some of the stuff that composers are well known for, but also try to find some things that maybe people haven't heard of from them. And, yeah, uh, and I like absolutely. that. I like that a lot. Absolutely. So, well, uh, do you want to plug anything? I'm sure you do before we get on out of here. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I have to plug is uh, what I've kind of already mentioned, the uh, uh, Masters of EGM is up and running uh, as of the as of the release of this episode. I know of at least one other show that has has released. Uh, Nerd Noise Radio released their episode for Masters of EGM on June first. Uh, St. John was uh, really excited to be able to be sort of the inaugural episode for, he for the showcase. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, you know, I was actually I was uh. I was pleasantly surprised by how many people were asking if this was going to come back this year. This was just kind of a, a little idea that uh, came up on the Rhythm and Pixels Discord last year in 2022, and I picked it up and ran with it, and um, it turned into a big thing. And this year, I mean, St. John was, like, chomping at the bit, and uh, Ed, just uh, on his own, did that that promo that everybody heard at the beginning of the episode, and it just it's really fun. We don't have quite as many uh, shows competing, or competing, uh, participating well, this year. competing, I'm sorry, you <laughs> guys are all gonna lose that's right that's right you can't I have the creator of the whole fucking thing oh, damn it i have the creator of the whole thing on my show so what do you expect <laughs> but yeah man it's uh masters of vgm you can check it out at masters of vgm.com where we're posting uh we're releasing posts for every episode that releases uh where you can also find us on twitter at masters of vgm and if uh, anybody wants to recommend a track or a composer that you'd like to hear something from i do still have uh, access to the very good music feed and i can always put something together if if i get any requests so uh so yeah um that's really it nothing nothing else on my end right now oh i will shout out to uh my daughter and a former co-host shoot kapow uh who uh just graduated this past week as uh, as everybody's listening to this and is going to be turning 18 um actually on or around the time that this episode posts so yeah nice. so happy birthday yeah happy birthday makes me feel man i'm as uh, as the 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 great garth brooks once said i am much too young to feel this damn old 
<laughs> but yeah, happy birthday, Shukapel. <laughs> happy birthday, indeed. You know what I realized? What'd you realize? We didn't talk about the closeout track. We didn't. I just kind of assumed that uh, maybe you were uh, you were. I, you I were moved get right to into it. it. I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I, nah, I just I forgot. So we know this a little out of order. Speaking but yeah, of, our closeout track. I don't know if uh, if Hammock of KVGM The Last Wave is going to be participating in. Uh, masters or not i haven't gone to people individually to ask them if they didn't ask me talk to me about it so he did last year he right? did last year for sure um yeah, but he he's dropped to uh, an every two weeks kind of thing and i just don't know if he's got it on his radar but uh, but anybody who doesn't know hammock is the chill master of the vgm scene for sure and why am i bringing him hilarious up hilarious because i was only able to find this track uploaded by him on youtube <laughs> <laughs> yep he's got a he's got a lot of those he has been working for the last uh, several months on uploading all of the tracks that he has played that are not already on youtube so that he can make uh, playlists and actually rob of rhythm and pixels recently set him up with his own youtube radio station showcasing just the song that he has played in his 200 plus episodes so very nice super cool super cool yeah go check out that show it's obviously a lot of fun i love that kind of music so mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely one that i still regularly listen to when i'm able to i don't listen to too many more but that is one that i still will put on quite often um we are going to be listening to paddock from derby stallion p which was a psp game that released in back in july of 2006 on the 27th um i am familiar with this series like i know it's horse racing and like taking care of your horses to an extent um but i don't know a ton about this franchise i think some of them have released here in the u.s i don't think all of them have but i or or most of them probably haven't yeah but i know some of them have at least i think i could be totally wrong about that actually um i want to say at least one did but maybe i'm totally wrong because i'm looking now and i don't know that i am wrong i mean i don't know that i'm right never know maybe you're thinking a pocket card jockey (laughs) i might be thinking yeah i might be i might be but I know this this series is what I said it is because I have seen gameplay footage of this series. Yeah. I just thought I've never played any of these. I will say that. I thought one of them had released over here, but maybe I'm wrong. I think I am wrong. Yeah. It looks like this may have been landlocked in Japan well, always. Whether it has or not, I, I will definitely say the, the music that I found for the series, because I did listen to a couple, um, were all very, very chill. Um, really nice stuff. So Yeah. Very, very chill. Uh, it, I figured since you took the uh, opener and I knew we were going to have some, you know, some pretty Pretty, uh, pretty quick, pretty rocking. Not necessarily rocking, but just more fast-paced music. Oh, we had some rocking we stuff, would, uh, man. You kidding? Yeah, that, we uh, definitely did. That we definitely Area 88 did. arrangements and that uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. ultimate space battle, ultra space battle brawl theme. <laughs> and Dragon Quest Swords to an extent, too. Some nice orchestral. Yeah, some orchestral like rocking, rocking stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, this actually pairs nicely. I, I didn't realize how your Flat Kingdom track was going to sound. This pairs nicely with that. So it does. I think this is a nice way to close out the show. So yeah, I we're gonna concur. we're gonna close it out. We're gonna chill to the end and uh, chill right on into bed and fall asleep. <laughs> Heck yeah, man! Heck yeah! We will see you all next time. Joined by Prof Jeff uh, for his inaugural episode of BG Mania uh, for Masters of BGM, and I'm looking forward to it. Indeed, indeed. So that now I did. I know we did that out of order, but that is unfortunately going to bring us to the close of the show for this week. We do want to thank you for staying with us and listening to another episode of BG Mania made possible, of course, by RPGera.com. 
If you like video game music and more importantly you like us and you want to help us grow this show, check the description box for ways you can do just that, including a link to join our Discord community. Click it, join it, and interact with us. Taking us out of this episode, we are going to be taking a listen to Paddock from Derby Stallion P. Again, this released on July 27th, 2006, and it was composed as everything on the episode today was, and as we just went through an entire appreciation of Manami Matsume. Keep the music playing and keep it loud. 